0: Hey dudes and dudettes, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 22 of the La Pressed and Guest podcast. My guest today is Peter Schwartz. Peter is an associate in the financial industry. Peter comes on the podcast to discuss sports, traveling, and success. I really enjoyed that Peter chose to focus on what success means and looks like for him as opposed to comparing his success against someone else's. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you do as well. As always, thank you so much to everyone who listens and supports the La and Guest podcast. Finally, as always, a special thank you to the women and men of our United States military, for without your bravery and sacrifice, I would not be able to do what I love doing. I am forever and eternally grateful for your sacrifice. well 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 as i live and breathe what's up brother not much man how are you man
1: i'm all right uh i'm good dude how are you
0: uh very well dude very well would have been a little better had my fills gotten a victory last night but uh
1: man i didn't want to bring it up this early that was brutal
0: Oh, it's it's all good, it, dude. When you fire your manager before the halfway point of the season, you're you're not really expecting much, and it kind of feels like the wheels have fallen off. So, <laughs> for us to have gotten within two games of the World Series victory was um, pretty pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it hurts to get so close though. Uh, my Niners have been in a couple Super Bowls in the last you know ten or so years, both times getting snubbed there right at the end it's tough but uh yeah I mean exactly to your point right it's like all about expectations and uh you can put together a nice season you got some good good players throughout the lineup you gotta feel good about next year
0: yeah it was cool and then it was just it's been a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan I
1: was gonna say your birds aren't looking shabby man you still got a team in it
0: yeah yeah they're looking pretty good um it's hard to I'm so happy that Jalen Hurts has taken this step as a player because he is such a good person to root for and you want to root for him, but me being a Philly guy, if he's not playing up to to par, we're going to let him know, but he's so easy to root for.
1: Yeah, I I didn't what's what's sort of his personal backstory? Sorry, I got this giant plant next to me and I like repotted it and it almost fell over just now. It scared scared me. Um we're good though. Um hold on. Okay, so uh what's the backstory with Jalen Hurts? Why is he like a really good dude or what? I don't know the story yeah, of him.
0: Well it just um when he was at Alabama he got yanked in the middle of the championship game mm. that's where Tua's journey Tua
1: came started. in oh, okay yeah, yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And no then, I
0: like I think he stuck around the next year before he transferred to Oklahoma mm-hmm. and was just was just a good teammate was still a good leader in the locker room and just a good person and me personally and I think most people if you're getting benched in the middle of a national championship game you're you're probably going to be in your feels a little bit and we always especially especially men and athletes were always wired to think we are the best even though the stats and the play may not may not back that up but we always want to be the guy especially at quarterback and i thought he handled the benching and the whole transition with so much grace and class
1: totally no totally yeah i know i know you mean there. um Yeah. He, especially like, especially to your point around like the competitive nature, especially of like a D one athlete, you got to imagine he was pissed off, um, getting benched, but yeah, I mean, it's something you don't see very often these days. It's like, uh, you know, focusing on the, on the, the bigger picture and, and kind of being selfless a little bit in a situation like that. I feel like that's rare, especially in sports, but even just in general, you don't see people who are good at that very often.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, Certainly something that's been changing over the years where, like you said, I think we were pretty good as a society and in sports of buying into the collective and the we it's greater than me. But nowadays, um, just as time evolves and everything changes, especially with social media becoming this big thing, it seems like those scenarios have kind of flipped almost where you're more concerned with, well, it'd be nice if if the Eagles did this and we accomplished this, but I want to make sure I'm getting mine first, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally, man. Well, yeah. I mean, it's good sports here for the birds. Good or sport, good sports here for the, for the Philadelphia the city, of Philadelphia in general. Um, yeah. What else been going on with you, man?
0: Not much, man. I um been trying to get this podcast going and getting more listen, more views and just um, realized I forget where along the way I realized when I was struggling to find guests is that, Oh, I've got a whole bag full of uh, awesome people I can talk to from my uh, days of being a summer camp counselor, so I bought a Zoom plan and just started reaching out to people, and everybody's been cool and receptive about wanting to come on.
1: Who all have you had on? I listened to the episode with uh, Smith, which I think was a very recent episode, yeah. um, which is a great one. Yeah. Who else you had on?
0: Uh, just some of the boys uh, so far, Um, uh, m- mainly some of the boys. Uh, Smitch, Jake Marsh was on. Um, nice. I had and I'm trying to remember who was like with us at camp when we were there, those years always seem to run together. Chloe Brooks, when she was a manhandling fitness, she was, I think my first guest on from camp. And I just wanted to talk to her and pick her brain about fitness because I follow her on Instagram and she's constantly posting these success stories of her clients and just the transformations they're going through. So I'm, always eager to learn more and talk about how one you can find the motivation to it's hard enough to just work out and do all that fitness stuff yourself but then you go and make it a career and you actually inspire other people to get their their lives in a in a better trajectory it's it's inspiring and I wanted to learn more about it Rachel Larrabee who I think did some waterfront but um her passion, I think, is also in personal training and personal fitness as well. Joe Wolf, of course. Blake Tobe was on. Um, yeah. Been, been reaching out to my chunk, Will Stone, about coming on. Uh, oh, Chuck, Willie yeah. Stone. You got to get him on here for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's um he's crushing it. You know, he's a papa bear now, so... Um, their beautiful baby is uh coming up on the year year mark i thank
1: you you know who i just saw so i was in new york i think we were texting back and forth about that when we were trying to schedule this i was in new york for a couple weeks for work um and i ran into uh courtney specter while i was out there
0: oh awesome i know she um she's got a big background and passionate theater is she doing anything like that
1: so she's uh she is a teacher actually um at current and so and over in brooklyn if i'm remembering correctly i i was that whole trip was a blur because i was working Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: just the entire time there was chaos but um uh, yeah she's doing really well and um and i'm trying to remember any other details we got drinks and dinner one night um it's just awesome to catch up i feel like most of the time we were spending uh talking about my sister because they were really good friends and theater staff Uh, maddie
0: was a theater as well
1: you got to get maddie on here too she'd be a crack up guest she's uh she'd be good for it but anyway yeah i feel like the whole time i was i was catching up with corny we were talking about my sister and then just like random camp stuff but um no but, but yeah she's good
0: yeah, I just wrote both their names down. I want to um reach out to her, man, teaching in New York. I can't imagine what that's like right now.
1: Dude, crazy, right? Um, yeah, it's uh, New York's New York is a is a totally different beast from San Francisco. It's weird every time I go out there, it feels like a different country. Um in addition to a different city. Um, yeah, I can't imagine either, frankly.
0: How were they in terms of um regulation and rules and policies with COVID and stuff in New York when you went there?
1: Just now. uh, I mean, I was there last month and it was, there was nothing. I didn't notice a single COVID anything. And frankly, like, Like, uh, San Francisco is like that too. There's nothing at this point, no real COVID restrictions. Um, maybe like in theory, like I'll go to a store and I'll say, you know, wear a mask and nobody's wearing a mask, including the guy behind the counter. So I think it's more just like remnants of it. San Francisco was intense during sort of like what you would consider Mm -hmm. peak COVID. It was really gnarly for a while. Um, uh, and you know i was going home to oregon just to hang out with my folks during that time for you know a month at a time or whatever just because i mean literally like the in the very beginning it was unclear like could we leave our house like what's going on here i'd try mm-hmm. to go for a run i'm like do i need to wear a mask on the run i, d- I never did because i didn't want to like you know die of oxygen deprivation or whatever i'm yeah. like i'm on a run i'll be fine but like it was weird for a while uh and then Uh, Things started to mellow out. um, It seemingly like across the country in 2021, people were starting, you know, like middle of 2021, people started to sort of calm down, things looked like they were getting more mellow. I remember I went to a concert on a boat in the San Francisco Bay which All is right. where I ended up getting COVID <laughs> I got sure. Delta and I got super sick. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, things are starting to feel more normal and then Delta started to ramp up in San Francisco, you know, you know, in the, uh, in California sort of will be the first place to really ramp up the, uh, ramp up the restrictions. So things started mm-hmm. lock down again. Um, but then starting this year, probably like, uh, February or or March, um, San Francisco really started to open up, open up, and specifically like I started going back into the office for the first time regularly, like it was required three days a week back in the office, um, mm-hmm. which I've actually really enjoyed. It's nice to be back in the office. Um, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I I kind of got started to go nuts being in my, in my room every day. Um, you know, it's much nicer to, you know, sit on the desk with some of my colleagues. And like, I work with some really interesting, smart people who are quite a bit older than me. Um, and so like getting the ability to just kind of like look over the shoulder and ask them something interesting and get their take on, on this or that it's, it's really like one of the things I value most about my job. So, um uh, it's been nice being back in the office and then uh yeah at this point san francisco is totally wide open new york was totally wide open
0: yeah I, speaking of your hot take me personally i don't know if i could ever do a fully remote job i just enjoy being around people too much and need that camaraderie need to be able to just uh, man we've just been in a three-hour meeting let's just go shoot the shit about just something mindless let's talk sports entertainment something you totally know have totally have a a drink by the water cooler i think maybe i'd like to do have a hybrid role but i don't think um if you were giving me the choice between fully remote or fully in person i'm going in person
1: totally yeah we we, so we're hybrid right now it's still three days a week mandatory although um, pretty good chance we end up in the office more than that uh Mm -hmm. our ceo came out with some uh recently with some language that was instantly well publicized i'm not going to say by the way um which company I work for on the yeah. pod. Cause then I might have to like clear stuff with compliance, but um, yeah. a, a notable firm with a, with a pretty widely publicized CEO. Um, he came out and said something that instantly got a lot of traction in the press. Um, so a good chance we're back in more often than three days uh, coming up here, but um, I've been doing closer to four uh, mm-hmm. myself anyway, you know, Monday through Thursday, and then doing work from home on Friday, because I feel like there's, if there is any real major benefit to the from home thing, it's sort of like focus on admin stuff that nobody really wants to do, especially not when, you know, to your point, you could get distracted to start chatting sports with someone that you see walking by your desk. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stay focused on the admin stuff for very long. I always struggle with that, you know, back when I first started, um, you know, my post collegiate work life in uh, January of 2019, uh, you know, I was always bad at the admin stuff, so the work from home is kind of a blessing in disguise for that. But anyway, um, yeah, I totally agree on like the the work life and the and the uh, in person versus uh, versus remote versus from home. Um, totally agree. Love being in the office. Love just just catching up with people.
0: Yeah, I feel me personally, I would get more distracted working remotely at home. Hmm. Um, I feel just with technology and everything I just start kicking rocks on social media looking up sports websites not that I don't have any distractions in the office but I feel um, I don't know I asked my friends this question a while ago and I said if you just won this dope-ass powerball that was out there and you could either <laughs> build your own home gym or go to your gym and just say hey here's all the money in the world here's the renovations I want which one would you go to and i said i would go to my own my like my gym that i go to now and just have them upgrade stuff and they said why and i said there's something about me just knowing people are watching me that's going to force me to work out and have a just a better workout rather than if i'm at home i'll maybe hit a dumbbell curl or something then it's like oh you know i can catch up on this episode of netflix and then you start looking into it and you realize my workout's 45 minutes done and I've done one set. (laughs) I, you know, I actually like that take. I think I could go, yeah, I go
1: to this gym called Bay club out here. I actually where I came from right before this. Um, and I would totally go to Bay club and say, Hey, I want, you know, X amount of equity. I'm giving you a big old chunk of cash. Uh, here's some renovations to do. And I want like, you know, the Peter Schwartz, uh, you know, workout, uh, Facility or whatever, like I can make that work for everybody. Um, but yeah, that's a funny question. I agree. I think I don't think I'd like the home gym unless I was so famous at some point in my life, which is not going to happen. But like, if I was so famous, I'm getting like mobbed by people. I'm you know, I'm out in public, and it's like, you know, speaking of our boy Jake Marsh, right? Jake Marsh, oh basically a celebrity now, right? He's I'm surprised I the could get him on the podcast getting, getting mobbed by people. I, know. I tried to see him too when I was in New York. Uh, it was sort of in the the peak of that Yankees uh ALCS uh situation so he was busy with watch parties i was like so funny like could you imagine having a job where you know your local sports team is doing really well and that means you have to spend more time at work <laughs> to like yeah. watch it it's super cool i think it's a, i think it's badass that he was able to get sort of in with that in with that group it's a really cool um company what they're doing as far as like social uh not social but like sports media which is a pretty sort of stuffy antiquated uh yeah. kind of industry and they're trying to just make it really fun and out there and wild um it's cool He was able to get in on that but anyway i was like dude no worries next time i'm out here we'll link up but i mean if i was jake marsh and i was trying to go to the gym getting swarmed by uh (laughs) getting swarmed by adoring fans i then i might reconsider about the home gym sort of situation
0: yeah it's um i i think you hit the nail on the head it's so (laughs) cool just watching his journey and everything and i think they've got such a unique business model and concept and they are just they just have relaxed normal conversations instead of the like you said the antiquated so how'd you prepare for the team this week what are some of the obstacles you need to overcome when you saw this defense and it's just like they essentially know the script that's coming and yeah. well you know, first off credit to them Yeah, no, we're not going to overlook them and it's just the same regurgitated lines and then you I ever see
1: uh you ever see the movie Bull Durham I feel like you'd love the movie Bull Durham
0: wait I've got to rewatch it it's been so long since I've seen it
1: so at the very end of that movie when epi calvin lelouch is going to the show and he's on the bus or he's or no he just punched kevin costner in the face in the bar and kevin costner's like what what hand did he hit me with he goes my right he's like good never punch a drunk like me with your pitching hand or he's all like trying to teach him his lessons and then he's having him write down stuff for interviews in the show and he's like I'm just happy I can be a, uh, an asset to the ball club. Uh, I'm just happy to get my chance to play in the show. And the good Lord willing, I'll be able to do it again tomorrow. Or whatever. It's like, dude, that, that's the funniest part of the whole movie. It's like every sports interview you've ever seen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm looking at some of the clips of their interviews, and it was when Brian Dable was offensive coordinator with the Bills and they've got Josh Allen with him. And they've got this chance to um talk to these two prolific guys in the NFL. And the whole time they're just trying to bait them into um doing D's nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good dude meanwhile ESPN's coming in suits and stuff like so coach what did you see when they, and they're just like come on man we're out here in shorts it's a beautiful day like let, let's loosen up a little bit give me know.
1: a break yeah take the tie off Jeez, um it, the only guy that does it right I think is Stephen A that guy's hilarious I love listening to Stephen A
0: oh I do too I, I do too and I think he makes a lot of good points and people get on to him about yelling and his personality and that's why it's
1: fun to watch come on man
0: i do too and then if i started seeing the amount of commas that's probably in his paycheck yeah i'd i'd start yelling too and doing doing (laughs) what i would need to do too you know
1: gotta get animated right you want the big checks
0: Uh, absolutely but it's it's just so funny to see them in you know their suits and ties and stuff like that and they could have an interview with one person and then that same person could have an interview with barstool and they just seem way more relaxed <laughs> way more at home
1: totally totally dude yeah. we're, we're on the sports grind which i knew that was going to happen
0: uh
1: but uh how are your fantasy team's looking this year anything interesting
0: yeah so um i'm in three leagues right now and we've got it we've got to get that camp league uh going back again
1: you know i was about to say i i was thinking i was i was just coming home from the gym and I was thinking like, man, what am I going to talk about? Like, I have no idea. And then I was thinking about the camp league. And, dude, I'm still so bitter about that. Do you remember how I lost that? Do you remember how I lost the camp league? Because I was in the championship. And I had D- I had David Johnson and Zeke that year. They both were going nuts every week. Oh, yeah. And, and I had – it was like really close. I was playing against somebody with Le'Veon Bell. Maybe it was uh, – I will think of who it was. What's oh, it? yeah. Wait, who was
0: it? I, I think Jake was in the championship both years.
1: Could have been Jake. I thought it could have also been uh, John. Uh, oh, yeah, John Burr. John Burr. Yeah, it was John. Burr. I think it was John Burr. Whoever it was, they had freaking Le'Veon Bell. Anyway, it was really close. And it's Monday Night Football, and I'm down by, like, two points. I have Zeke and I have Dak, and they're in the red zone. I'm, like, feeling pretty good. I'm, like, all right, they get in the end zone. I get, you know, minimum four points if it's, uh, t- if it's a Dak touchdown. Like, I'm probably – I'm probably probably got this in the bag friggin touchdown pass Des Bryant threw it to Jason Witten trick play no points I lose by two I was melting down I was like I was in Paso Robles California was like this little coastal town in Central California I'm like I have no signal my phone's about to die I'm like glued to my thing like refreshing yeah. non-stop and then i lose like that it was so bummed. but no we do got to get that league back together that's a great league
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So right now in two of my leagues, I'm just um just kind of scrubbing people. Just kind of scrubbing people if I if I'm gonna be honest. You got Josh Allen. No, I um God, let me, my one work league, I'm pretty stacked. So
1: my work league's pretty stacked also.
0: Yeah, but of of course my home league, that's the one where I just went on a four-game winning streak and I'm now four and four. So uh, yeah. But in my in my main my work league QB Lamar Jackson Aaron Jones is my running back with Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard we've got wide receivers yep. Justin Jefferson and I traded for this guy a few weeks ago Devonte Adams um, yeah I had my boy uh, Dallas Goddard go off uh, on Thursday night at tight end and then yeah um I got Raheem Mostert, Jacoby Myers, Eagles D, Justin Tucker. So I'm feeling pretty good.
1: Dude, you got to love Jacoby Myers, frankly. I got him on my uh, on my work squad. He puts in work in the flex, man. He's like a great guy to just have there if you need him. All right, yeah. check, is that a 10 or 12 man? That is 12
0: team PPR.
1: Yeah, that's solid. That's really solid. All right. So, so 12 man half PPR, 6 point quarterback touch passing touchdown. Yep. So quarterbacks have a premium. Josh Allen got oh, my boy, yeah. so so and and I got once I tell you the team I'm gonna tell you the crazy part. All right, so we got Josh Allen at QB, we got Cooper Cup uh, wide receiver one, what we got DeAndre Hopkins wide receiver two, got him in the eighth round. People forgot yeah. he was suspended. Uh, Leonard Fournette and uh, I had unfortunately I had Brees Hall was, um, who I, went as down. As soon you said unfortunately,
0: I was like that's Brees.
1: Yeah, but I got Tony Pollard now as RB two who's stud uh, we got Kittle at tight end. We got either Michael Thomas or Jacoby Myers in the, in the flex I've been playing Jacoby Myers more often. Um, and then, Hey, hot tip to everybody listening, get Tampa Bay's defense. If you can now, cause they play scrub teams in the playoffs. Um, so we're just rocking with Tampa Bay's defense right now. And we got uh, Robbie gold with my Niners as my kicker uh, anyway. So that's a stud team. We're just dusting people every single week. I'm four and four. I started zero and four with the most points scored in the league, and I was zero and four. I lost by like a point every single week to other people having the week of their lives. Um, yeah. Weird start to the season, but I haven't I haven't won by less than like thirty since that happened. So we're still feeling solid about the squad.
0: Oh yeah, my work league. I'm about to write in ESPN because they keep. <laughs> I'm seven and one in that league and I'm just dusting people every week. And it seems like every week my projected total just keeps getting lower and lower. Even though my <laughs> guys, And I just want to write them and be like, you've got to put some goddamn respect on my team's projections right now. Right? I hate
1: that. I hate that. It's like, nah, these guys are scrubs. It's like, how do I know more about football than you? Someone call Matt Barry and get him to re freaking analyze this stuff. Oh, that's funny.
0: Yeah. And it's like we're we're past week two. We're not in a small sample size now. We've got happy season where (laughs) one, I'm the only player who's passed a thousand points scored on the season. And not only am I the only person that's passed a thousand points, I've cleared over 1100 points. I'm good for a buck 45 each week. You see it happening. And then he, <laughs> you keep rejecting me for 115 to Stephen A. The disrespect. That disrespect. The disrespect. The disrespect. And so Jesus. what happens is my team sees that and they're like, We got you, coach. We're gonna go take it into our own hands. And then they fucking ball out. And then so, so is it's, it's some uh it's some it's some bulletin
1: board material, you know. They're putting the headlines, these guys are scrubs, they can't play and they're getting fired up over it. You gotta love that. You keep them motivated, you know? Yeah, uh, unlike my Fuck the Beaves, my Beavers lost on Friday. I, I wanted to jump
0: straight into my 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 Eagles because I'm looking at the I've got the college football scores pulled up right now and uh the oh,
1: dude we hadn't we were 23rd we got ranked 23rd we hadn't been ranked since my freshman year of college in 2013.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah that was that was just I was in Spain without the S bro. It was <sighs> and all and we also like really gave away a game to sc earlier in the season sc is really good and so is UW. like they're both good teams both games that were you know winnable but tough but like sc sc we threw four picks guess what you're probably not going to win a game against the top 10 team in the country throwing four picks fucking chance nolan he's been on the bench pretty much ever since and then uh and then and then uh this last or i guess this week right against u dub like two trips to the red zone to, you know, go for it on fourth downs. Don't kick a field goal, lose by what lost by three. I mean, dude, it's just like shit like that. will just really, it's painful. Um, it's nice to have a team. It's actually competitive for once. I'll tell you what, I can't remember if I was, if this was before or after my second year at camp, um, the beavers put out what was probably the worst college football team in the power five at the time. And was probably a worst p- college football team ever, like top 25 yeah. worst teams ever. It, it was 2016. Know. I want to say we went one and 11. Our only win was to Portland state, which is a FCS team. Mm-hmm. And we actually tried to lose that game at home. Uh, like week two, we, uh, We were losing. We're down, I think three and we're down three and our quarterback, whoever it was at the time, he is, he's flipping burgers at this point. I'll tell you what, he's not, he's not doing anything football related Threw like an absolute beach ball up and like hit a Portland state. Defensive back in the chest with the football, and it just bounced off his chest plate. And I was like, "We're gonna lose to Portland State right now, fuck it!" And yeah. somehow eked out a win. But dude, that that was a reprehensible football product. I'll tell you what. So it's nice to have a team that's competitive. Like we're you know we're fighting for the chance to be nationally ranked. You know what? Don't I'll, I'll say it right now. I'll say it on the record. Beavs could win out. Beavs could win out. Beavs could play. Oregon in Corvallis and beat them because I think Oregon just as they usually are they're a little bit of a paper tiger you know what like they got some good flashy players but they frankly and they've never been good at this they they've had trouble playing smash mouth football and that's surprising because they've had some total studs come out of the program right this is not I actually have a I have a deal where I uh, I I release all animosity from Oregon players once they go to uh the NFL like uh you know Herbert. Herbie is a legend. He's so good. Um, I mean, my favorite duck of all time is DeForest Buckner. I think that guy's absolutely savage. And like the fact that they weren't utilizing those kind of guys to play like a tougher brand of football in when he was in college is surprising to me. Um, I think they get a little cute with it. And Oregon State's never been a team to get cute with it, even when we don't have the personnel to play NFL style, um, you know, pro style offense. We've always played a pro style office, offense going back to Mike Riley. And uh, Mike Riley, frankly, has struggled since leaving the program, sadly. But um, with Nebraska, that's a whole different conversation. But um, geez, uh, my dad's from Omaha, Nebraska, so so I keep track of them a little oh, bit.
0: Oh Boy, they got their uh, they got their sacred son back to coach uh, and Scott Frost a few years ago and they thought that was going to be the savior and it was
1: it's not worked out man and and, you know it was funny actually so i got a buddy who i used to work with out here in san francisco he moved back to he's from nebraska moved back to nebraska um and dude we were talking about that program and i was like at this point you don't fire like the the athletic director or the football coach dude you gotta fire like the university president this is like going all the way to the top like that is a storied franchise 96 corn huskers might be the greatest college football team of all time yeah. And they can't put a team on the field in 10 years. What is this? I'm like, dude, you got to go to the president. You can be like, Hey, let's get this donor machine churn. And we got a storied franchise here. We got the, I think it's, it's like, they'll do the tests and it's like the most no- football knowledgeable fan bases in the country. Huskers are always up there. Like people care about football out there. And, and they can't get a product on the field. So I think they got to go to the university president and be like, Hey man, like, look, fix this or like you're out of here. We know, we know universities are schools first, but sometimes, you know, at the, you go to a Nebraska, you go to an Ohio state or a Bama or a wherever, um, you know, it's, it's a football program too. And uh, it starts to get a little embarrassing after long enough.
0: Yeah. So one thing, and I wonder, I'd be interested to hear your uh, dad's feedback on this because one of the college football podcasts I listen to is the Cover 3 podcast. I think it's a CBS sports podcast. Uh And they're talking about one of the issues with Nebraska is Nebraska itself in terms of the state, the location, and there's not much for them to do. And I wonder if that's going to take on, become a little bit, not the deciding factor, but it's definitely going to go on the list of stuff people are looking for. Do you think that has any impact where, from what I heard, Lincoln just isn't that desirable of the location from a college student's perspective?
1: Okay, so like on one hand, I've always thought about that. But on the other hand, why aren't all the Pac-12 schools incredible every year? Because every Pac-12 school, save freaking Washington State, is in like a gorgeous location. Um, And I guess the Arizona schools, but you know, if you want to go live in Tempe and, you know, there's hot chicks everywhere, I guess that's its own sort of pole for the school. But like, you know, like, why okay. is the actual of like the dominant, you, you think, I mean, I'm trying to think I've never been, but like, I've heard how's Knoxville, Tennessee. I, I don't think that's like the most amazing place ever to live. And they got no, quite no and that's a, a lot here. of the, um
0: a lot of the Southeastern college towns is it feels like if there isn't the college there, they, they just become undesirable places to live
1: yeah so now the college feel can be its own draw right like corvallis for example is gorgeous but also it's a college town through and through like it is the college and there's a little town stuck on the side of it eugene's the opposite eugene's also pretty um but that's like an actual city with stuff going on and then there's a college in it um so It's cool. Like I, I much prefer the college town feel. I'll be honest. Like the reason I went to Oregon State was primarily because I liked the town a lot better. Corvallis is like I liked the idea of a college town better than I liked the idea of a college in a town. Um, Interesting. yeah yeah and if, if for all the listeners out there if you've never been to the west coast and you're taking a trip up and down it's worth the trip out to corvallis a beautiful little town uh, a lot of brick buildings i was just in uh, princeton new jersey actually for work and it was a very similar vibe like a, a lot of you know pretty fall colors big trees old brick buildings uh, rains a lot but it's a cool place to visit um or go in the spring and watch kick-ass baseball team because i'll tell you what oregon state has not had a storied football franchise save like ocho cinco back in 2001 um but our baseball team man we have had some serious success over the last call it five, 10 years well have you know got
0: a title in there with America? yeah we
1: got we won two national championships in 06 and 07 and then we won again in 2018 that 2018 um that 2018 title team might be the greatest college baseball team of all time. Um, so Adley Rutschman was behind the plate. He went on to be the number one overall draft pick. Nick Madrigal was uh, second base. He was the third overall draft pick to the White Sox. Uh, Trevor Larnick, uh, I believe, was that first base. He was... Uh, he was a second rounder. No, he was a first rounder. I think he was 20th overall pick to the Twins. Um, Steven Kwan, he went in a later round, but he is like rookie of the year contender this year um, with the, with the what are they now? The Commanders, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then who else, uh, my boy, Drew Rasmussen, he was a first round draft pick, but then he had Tommy Johns. He got drafted next year as a fourth rounder to the Brewers. Um, he's a total stud. He like, pit, I think he pitched 30 games this season. Um, uh, I mean, dude, that was a absolute, I'm forgetting guys too. Like there are more dudes in the show from that team and we just waxed people, dude, we wax people all season. Um, and then, the actual, the actual, uh, college world series championship. It was crazy. So you were playing Arkansas, Arkansas, um, hadn't won a national championship in anything in a really long time. What year was that? 2018.
0: Okay. So, um, two years ago, I think I was in Arkansas with Joe Wolf when it was like about to be the college world series or the playoffs started and Arkansas was not faring well at that point in time, (laughs) Different, different time, different time.
1: I think they've, they've gone back and forth having good teams. And frankly, the Arkansas team was pretty legit. Um, they, they took game one from us and then game two, we're down. It's I God, I want to say it's like five to three or something. Uh, top of the ninth, we're down, right? We lose this game. It's best. So best of three in the college world series. Um, and we're down and uh, you, you know, three outs and we're done. We go home, Arkansas is national champion. And uh, so we're, we're batting. We got a few guys get like some gritty, you know, like I think kid and hit like a really nice, uh, you know, ground ball up through the gap, got on first, somebody got walked. I think that was, uh, who got walked. I'll, th- I'll think of it anyway. So we get guys on base and then somebody hits uh, we got two down. Somebody hits a, like a shallow pop fly to like, uh right foul territory pretty you know just behind first base and it drops between three Arkansas players they all were like right there and like kind of like chaos lack of communication it drops in between all three of them they catch that ball they're national champions
0: Oh wow! and
1: I'm like oh my god like having a heart attack they don't they drop it holy shit we're we're still playing and then um I think that was when Ken Grenier hit something with a pinch ran a guy and um, they pinch ran somebody and uh, he scored. So we, we get a tying run in uh, in the in the top of the ninth after almost losing on that pop fly in, in oh. shallow right uh, right foul territory. And then uh, Trevor Larnick goes yard um, and scores two guys were up by two runs. I'm going absolutely Nuts, yeah. uh, end up holding on to the game. And then Kevin Abel threw an absolute gem in game three. Uh, I think complete game shutout uh to win the national championship. But that that whole game two, you can find it on YouTube, dude. It's some of the craziest shit you'll ever see. Um, totally insane. Oh, you know who got walked? My boy Zach. Um He's a, he's a friend of ours who lives up in Portland. He hangs out with like our group of friends all the time. Uh, he, he does personal training now. Um, and he's just like a great dude but he was on that baseball team he was the guy who got walked that's so funny anyway um, i have a big blown up poster of the front cover of the oregonian from after they won it and it's like the dog pile and uh every time i go back to portland i see all my buddies who live up there because like most of my buddies from school live in portland i'm like yo zach dude i still got that picture of you in my living room man i love it and he's always like
0: yeah so speaking of portland i i actually got a question to clarify with you because i always heard this does portland oregon and portland maine have similar vibes that's something i always heard
1: yeah yeah they do um well sort of okay so the idealist version of portland oregon and portland maine have a lot in common they're both really pretty um they have like a cool beer scene uh you know it's kind of like a hippie vibe um Really cool places for sure. Um, Portland, Oregon, based on the limited experience I have in Portland, Maine, which you know I went you know on days off a couple times. Um, you know I've you know I got a beer there a couple times, but yeah I didn't spend a lot of time in Portland, Maine. Uh, Portland, yeah. Portland, Oregon uh, is way grungier. Like if I'm honest, it's kind of gnarly, um, and not that not that it's a bad place it's still gorgeous and like outside of the downtown area is really nice but like uh there's a Oregon has a very interesting political dynamic and I, you know, not to dwell on politics very much, but I always make the joke about, yeah, I think Maine and Oregon in general have more in common than Portland, Oregon versus Portland, Maine, but like the state of Oregon is broadly speaking, pretty red. And then like the, the cities, uh, Portland and Eugene and Salem are very, very blue. Similarly in Maine, right. You got a bunch of rednecks out in you know, most of Maine and then you got like tons of, you know, hip, in Portland. Um, and it's funny they share the name of like the major city, but um Portland, Oregon frankly has probably gone off the rails more so than like most other places and like i live in san francisco i live in a place that gets wow. nationally maligned for like homeless problems and that's not to say we don't have them like we definitely do and it's a problem that probably should get solved soon but uh but portland oregon is orders of magnitude worse from that perspective um from like a homeless perspective and it's actually so bad that um you know oregon is a blue state it's been a blue state literally my entire life it's been a blue state i think on every, uh, you know, the you know, state house, state senate. I don't know how any of this shit works. State house, state senate, governor, everything. Right? They've all been blue my entire life. We haven't had a uh, a Republican as the governor of Oregon since the '80s, I want to say. And there's a, actually a decent chance that the Republican or an independent wins this year. Just I think, really, honestly, because uh, Portland specifically has gone off the rails so badly, and it's not like a national media. Situation because it's just the people in Oregon voting. Mm -hmm. But, like, I, you know, I know people who live up there who are lifelong Democrats who are like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but like, some shit's got to change because it's
0: bad. Yeah. And I was joking with my friends last night. It's unfortunately not a joke, but we've just got to eliminate the extremes on both sides of the aisle. That's what's going on, is you think. You you start hearing something about a candidate you like and you you feel like you're getting on board. They're like, We need to improve healthcare. Okay, cool, got it. We need to fund first responders. Yep, love that. We need to burn down all libraries. Well, hold on. <laughs> let's, let's take a step back and breathe. And then you're like, okay, let's let's check into the other side and see what they're doing. And they're like, We need better, uh, we need better educators and they need to be more well paid. They're like, Yep, love that. We need to make sure we're getting clean water and utilities to all of our residents. Yep. Love that. We believe you should be able to walk out of your house and scalp anybody at any moment of the day. (laughs) Can we just, but the third, it's just, it's such a strong beer that I, is there middle ground? Can can I maybe just be mad at someone and not scalp them?
1: yeah dude i know it's so it's so bad recently i feel like it's been bad for a while um you know you talk about like the horseshoe theory where you know you get to the extremes and they're actually closer together than like the people in the in the bulk of the horseshoe or you talk about like you know the football field analogy like most people live between the 40s and you know we're paying attention to the people in the red zone on both sides like it's annoying um and you know frankly i think i think it's interesting like like being someone who is simultaneously both pretty interested in politics, but also like extremely not involved. Um, you know, I, 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 look at sort of to your point, I don't, I feel pretty politically homeless. Uh, you know, I'm not really attracted to either party in theory, but then also like, 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 frankly, so I, I can't remember if I said this, I work in financial services. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I have to pay attention to what's going on across politics, across the economy, global geopolitics, right? Like a lot of things impact, um, you know, the output of what we do in my job. And, um, and, you know, paying attention to all this stuff, and you start to, you start to just research a lot and study a lot. And you can pretty quickly start to recognize the self-interested you know decisions that are being made by all these people. Like, um, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be able to quote the exact number, but the uh, you know you can look it up. The the average outperformance, investing outperformance of people in uh, in Congress is just is significant um, insider trading on information gleaned through political assignments is not illegal for politicians and e- and both sides are equally guilty of it yes. um, and so you know that's really all you need to know because you look at it and you say okay I don't really give a crap what they're preaching in theory what they're gonna try to do for me I can see that all they're doing is trying to you know get you know gain more power for themselves these are all highly motivated highly aspirational people who want to be ultra successful. And in politics, being ultra successful means gaining additional power, gaining additional relevance or responsibility. So all these people, they're not doing it to like help you or me or whoever. They're doing it trying to advance themselves as far as they can in this In this game or this industry of like national level politics, it's the same as any other industry, you know, in, you know, in finance where I work right people who are highly motivated and highly, um, you know, aspirational they're going to try to advance themselves as far up, you know, whatever you know, company or industry as they can. And it's the same thing in politics. They're doing the exact same thing. They just pretend like, oh yeah, this is going to be like, you know, really helpful for, I'm going to help a lot of people by doing this. And like, I, I generally speaking, I'm sure that there are, you know, certain instances where that's not the case, but I think broadly speaking, there's plenty of evidence out there that none of these people really care.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate. And then we get so preoccupied and, caught up in just trying to get by our day to day and live our lives, put food on the table for your family, that you don't even have time to look into these candidates. So when you go to the Um, Ballot boxes on election day, you go with the familiar choice. And my my aunt just texted our family group text the other day. She's like, uh, "Grammy and I are arguing about um, who Grammy should vote for." And they're up in Pennsylvania, so they get to enjoy that whole uh, debacle. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. And I I just blindly fired off. I was like, "Just vote independent." Very rarely do I just recommend not looking into a candidate, but. I think we as the middle class and the majority of the voters need to just blindly start voting independent just to send a message that this two-party shit is not working. And instead of just downplaying, like instead of just trying to sweep the leg of the other person, be like, hey, you know what? Peter's got a really good point about this. And I think we could find some common ground and maybe come to an agreement that there's no perfect solutions, we're not going to make everybody happy. But instead of just making this side happy, what if we make a good bit of this side happy, and then we include some people from the other side?
1: You know, it's funny, actually, I have an analogy for politics recently that really is similar to what we've been talking about already. I think politics replaced sports for a lot of people. Um, I think people watch Fox or CNN, um, and they watch it like, you know, you or I watch uh, ESPN. And I'll be sitting there and it'll be an article on the Seahawks. I'm like, ah, fuck Gino Smith, man. I am so over these guys. Seahawks are lame. Go 49ers, whatever. And there are people who are watching, you know, CNN and they're like, oh, like, you know, I hate, uh What's his name? DeSantis in Florida. What's his first name? Ron Ron DeSantis. DeSantis. I hate Ron DeSantis. Yeah, fuck that guy. Like, you know, go Democrats. And people watch it like sports and they get emotional and aggressive about it like sports. Um, And I think it's because... On one hand, it's it's a competition. People are, are like naturally inclined to look at a competition, kind of like figure out what side you're on, and then you feel like you're in it with that team. You're like, yeah, like go team, go Niners, whatever. But then also, we've been convinced, right, that like okay, it's not only is this a football game, but it's actually like the team that you're on is going to like help your life get better. And the team that you're playing against is going to make your life worse. And in reality, both of them are probably going to make your life worse. That's my thought, right? But like, basically you get more ramped up about it. So you're like, oh, like, God, I need my team to win or my life's going to be worse. And people start, and it, it started out with people replacing sports with politics. They started out just by being like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I'm going to pay attention. And now people are just rabbing because they're so convinced that like they're going to be the ones to make the difference and i'm like guys it's been you know 20 years of like this intense political. i think it goes back 20 years i think it goes back to like you know george bush realistically
0: mm-hmm. when people
1: started to get really ramped up about politics i was pretty young i was like you know s- what 2000 i was six years old yeah. um And, you know, that's right around when you start, you know, remembering stuff. But I remember people being fired up about George Bush when I was a little kid in Oregon. And, um, and I think like, you know, it's been 20 years, we've had like, you know, big swinging political parties that one side says this, the other side says that none of them have done anything. Mm -hmm. like we're in the same place so i don't know i sorry i didn't mean to drag this into the political sphere but it's it's an interesting dynamic and it's so prevalent which is annoying because i wish i could focus on other shit like i wish i could focus exclusively on actual sports or like the things i like to do or whatever and then like you know, politics is so omnipresent. I guess we are, what, like two days away from a midterm election. So I guess like, you know, it's some selection bias here. Of course it's going to come up, but, uh, you know, anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, in terms of the president and senators and stuff like that, people would be better served looking into their local offices because that, those are truly the decisions that are actually for the most part going to have the biggest day to day impact, not to say that a president won't have an impact, but I, between Bush, Obama, uh, Clinton, because I'm a few years older than you, um, Trump, Biden, my life hasn't been impacted too much one way or another. Now, I I will also caveat that and say that uh, you and I are, um, we're, you know, we're, we're, white straight we man. got a lot going on for yeah. us that makes things easier totally yeah, terms, agree. In, and i tell joe this all the time when we'll have uh talks about you know different groups of people and stuff like that and it's like it is nice for us to say this but you and i in terms of like how the world views people and like where we're at in terms of like the placement we we hit the genetic lottery we, we happen totally. to just lock into it you know totally and,
1: it, yeah, and, I, and I'm obviously highly cognizant of that, but I also, I, I think I think realistically what it comes down to is I, I think we're, we're in the same position as far as recognizing that, but then I'm also like, let's go back, let's find one person who realistically like improved the lot of people who are not, you know, as fortunate from the perspective of like being born into, you know, uh, a certain um, genetic makeup that historically has been, you know, not oppressed, right? I don't know how to say it. You get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the point is, right? Like, let's find someone who actually did something good for them. And it's not that easy. Like, you know, I think it's a nonpartisan thing. I think there's been a lot of talk about it from both sides, you know, b- both good and bad. I think one side, trad- like one side is broadly saying like, yes, this is important. We need to like work to improve, you know, the um, the the outcomes for this group. And one side kind of ignores it um but then also like i don't know that there's been like a lot actually done by either side one side's not saying they're going to do anything that's bad one side saying there is they are going to do something and then they don't which is also bad i'm just sort of like all these people you know what i mean
0: yeah which brings (sighs) back to where it almost becomes like sports because when the one side puts a bill forward the other side is like this is kind of like us taking a penalty in terms of like how the public's going to view it and our voters yeah. aren't going to like that at all. And there yeah. are certain things like when Flint, Michigan was going through their water crisis, that shouldn't be a Democrat or Republican thing. And I'm not I'm not saying it was, but it should be like, OK, we it should have
1: been everyone on the same page immediately. Like, let's go fix this shit right now. We have a freaking military that spends eight hundred billion dollars a year or whatever. Let's yeah. take a billion of it and go give them the sickest water system of all time.
0: Like, boom. Yeah, it should be as simple as that. Okay, we see this water looks like shit, right? Okay, we agree that's not good, right? All right, cool. All right.
1: And Nick, some- why, don't, why don't we run the world, dude? I'm confused. Why don't they give us the reins of power? Let's just Let's just fix this shit. Let's go do it right now.
0: I'm just going to reach out to Jake if, and just say, hey, just put us, put us on your podcast. But, let's, yeah, let's uh, Schwartz, Schwartz Lepresti
1: 2022 or 2024 Absolutely. or whatever. Jeez. Uh, if I, I'll tell you what, if I, if I ran this country, like I ran my fantasy team, we'd be balling in no time. Shit would be working smoothly.
0: Same here. Same here. But then I've also got some other fantasy teams where I show I'm willing to learn from my mistakes <laughs> <laughs> and, and make the tough decisions and say, you know what? Even though you're showing me you've got this shiny new contract, Russell Wilson, what I'm seeing is hot garbage show up on my yeah. statue night in, night out. So I'm going to go with this dude, Taylor Heineke, even though what I see is a nice shiny object, I'm going to say like, it's not actually functional. So it's time. Hey, to Is Russell
1: Wilson the most cringy? I, look, I, I forgive Oregon players when they get to the NFL. I do not forgive Seahawks players that rip the heart out of my Niners multiple times, um, Is Russell Wilson the most embarrassing quarterback to root for in the NFL?
0: I think he's the most embarrassing player to root for in the NFL. (laughs) He is, the issue for me is he is so inauthentic in trying to be authentic. It's, he is trying to be authentic and genuine. And it's just like, dude, it's okay. You're a little robotic with how you talk and stuff like that. That's your personality. Not everybody's going to be the life of the party and stuff like that quit trying to come off as some larger than life great guy and then Mr. Unlimited Mr.
1: Unlimited oh we got a buddy in my like college group chat who's big Seahawks fan because he's from Seattle and we we were sending that video like once a day for probably
0: two months yes and he's doing it as like oh hey I'm just randomly waking up and trying to do Instagram live and it's like I can tell you have been rehearsing that for five, six hours, a few more hours longer than you were doing your knee highs on the plane.
1: All his buddies are sitting around and CR is over there and he's walking
0: around. Dude, oh my god. So his PR team reminds me of um Fire him immediately. Yeah, it reminds me of um what was that Andy Sandberg movie, the pop star? Yeah, yeah where he just has a lot of yes men around you and nobody's telling him. When he throws yeah. the basketball over his back and goes swoosh, nobody's telling him that it was an air ball and that air he was going to make it. They're like, you're so awesome, Ross. You're killing it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then okay. stuff like, like these replays, you know? Okay. It's like, go
1: ahead. Yeah, no, totally. No, totally agree. I. It's so funny. Like, I don't know. I love like roasting people like that, but then at the same time, like he's an NFL quarterback. Like, I mean, I'm here in my freaking you know shoebox apartment in San Francisco. Like, man, talk a little less shit, maybe. But <laughs> so. I still hate Russell Wilson. I still hate yeah. Russell Wilson. I don't yeah. care who knows it. Um, hold on, but I was gonna say, should we? I'm trying to think if there's anything else we got to catch up on besides sports and uh, sports and politics. I think that there's more interesting stuff that we got in our noggins here.
0: Well, I know for me and you, it was probably a big deal. Um, did you see um. Taylor Swift a few weeks ago dropped her newest album? I did. I did see Taylor Swift dropped an album. It was an absolute banger. Oh, I, um,
1: loved it. I loved it. Across the board, really, really good. Yeah, music, that is an excellent topic for us to uh, get into a little bit here. Um, dude, I found a band from Georgia who you might like. Go ahead. Um, they're called Future Birds. Uh, listen to the song Trippin' by Future Birds. It is excellent. It's sort of like hard to describe it's country for sure but a little bit more like alt country um it's it's good they're awesome i'm actually seeing them live next week um here in san francisco seeing them on like wednesday so i'll report back but um i've been getting really into like a lot of blues blues rock i'll listen to mm-hmm. um like recently um
0: anything spur that that you just started seeking out that style of music and well, that genre?
1: So I've played guitar most of my life. I don't know if you can see the guitars in the background there. Um, And I've always played, I've always leaned into blues, rock, improv, that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, like my brain, I don't like learning like songs. I like learning, you know, little skill, little skills that you call them riffs and uh, you can just layer them in. So somebody will get, you know, and they'll start playing like a chord progression, 12 bar blues. And then somebody else with their guitar will play over the top of it. Mm. and so like stevie ray vaughn is sort of like my favorite guitar player ever um a, a disciple of hendrix who i also love um and then like john mayer is a disciple of both of them so that style of guitar they're all like really excellent at it
0: i don't think people realize so when we had music midtown which which is a music festival in atlanta um years back two of the like friday night headliners were Jack White and John Mayer, and they were going against each other on different stages. And I was complaining because I was like, they shouldn't have put two of, some of the best guitarists of our generation going against each other. And I think my friends only knew John Mayer's poppy songs. And they're like, "Uh, we see Jack White, but who's the other sick guitarist he's going against? And I was like,
1: John Mayer.
0: Bite your tongue, John Mayer can fucking shred. And then he ended his set with Along the Watchtower. And my friend Mm. just and I felt like John Mayer had just walked up to me, handed me a mic and be like, you'll know when to drop this in front of your friend. Like, it, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make your point for you.
1: Yes, sir. I mean, honestly, dude, the fact that I was talking to someone recently, though, the opposite problem, they didn't know Bold as Love was a Hendrix cover. Mm. I was like, you've never heard Bold as Love by Hendrix? You only know the John Mayer version, and and don't get me wrong, the John Mayer version's great, but that's like baby making music. That's like you turn that on when you got a girl with you. The Hendrix version is way cooler, in my opinion. I love John Mayer, but Hendrix is the GOAT. You know something interesting about Jimi Hendrix? You might already know this. You know he's left-handed? Yes. And you know how he plays his guitar?
0: Yeah, I know, I hear when I listen to Rogan, he has a very weird approach to holding his guitar or something, right?
1: so he plays a right-handed guitar upside down because he couldn't afford a left-handed guitar growing up. So he learned everything upside down. So all like, if you actually look what he's doing, his chords are all backwards and he's playing the strings upside down. So he has a really unique sound to the strings being different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had like that really, really weird, unique sound because of that. And he had to like, basically teach himself everything. Cause it was all switched. He couldn't learn like normally. So it it's interesting because uh he um whenever you like and it's a cry it's, a, it's not just guitar right but it's something interesting i was learning about this is god this is probably a year ago i'm gonna embarrass myself trying to recall information from a year ago that i learned but across industries it could be you know in this case it's jimi hendrix with a, a guitar he had like this major impediment to learning guitar how normal people learn guitar also like a massive, overwhelming number of really successful entrepreneurs, um, statistically, are uh, dyslexic. And the reason why is when you have this impediment that means you can't learn like other people, you end up having to teach yourself a lot of things in and in make up your own way to learn stuff that, that normal people don't have to do. And it changes the way you approach problems um, mentally. And so like you think if you're dyslexic and your teacher's like, all right, class, you know, you're in third grade, read this. Everyone else just reads it. You're looking at like scrambled, you know, letters and you have to figure out a different way to read. And so it starts at a very young age that you have to create a new way to pr- solve a problem. You end up being massively innovative, right? You, Your brain learns how to create solutions to problems that other people have never really dealt with. Um, and so you end up with this brain that's really good at, you know, solving weird problems that nobody knows how to approach. And so like Hendrix is a cool example of that, cause it's very artistically focused, but then like, you can look at the number of great entrepreneurs who are dyslexic, um, and it's the same sort of idea. It's really interesting.
0: You know, I had one of the most humbling and eye-opening experiences in regards to seeing that different people learn different ways and approach problems different ways when i was preschool teaching so we have this part of preschool called small groups where we're literally lumping in the educational activities we want them to accomplish that day into four or five small groups and because it's just me and another co-teacher two of them are student-led so those will kind of err on the side of like gamey slash fun, whereas the other two where we're teaching them, we're trying to teach them concepts and identify, do you know what your numbers are? Can you number them in order, letters, stuff like that? And so you put the students in a small group based on like where they're at learning, you know? So if you and I were on like different intellect, like if you were way smarter than me and I wasn't like as caught up to speed in terms of where I should be, I'm gonna be in a different small group. And we have this one obviously i'm an adult at this time so figuring out a preschool small group i was like oh this is this is still easy you know what gets really upsetting is when you're starting to get confused by the preschool small group you're like i i, I don't understand that they're like oh nick the corner piece goes to the puzzle here you're like got it got it we're good now right, perfect um let me just go tell my college professor i learned how to make a puzzle today and we should be good so yes sir it's something very easy that I started off with my, what I would call my advanced group. And it's not that they're advanced it's they typically come from a background where their parents are teachers. So they're starting to teach some concepts a lot earlier. That's all it is, is they're getting yeah. introduced to concepts earlier. And I'm like, it's going to be good to start off with a good small group like this, that sets a tone. And they are fucking struggling through it. They are struggling through it. And I'm like, what What the hell happened? Did y'all just get abducted by aliens and replaced by other students? This is not my group of all stores. And then the group that's a little more rambunctious, a little more class clowny, they're coming in right behind it. And I'm like, oh, great. I just had a rough small group with my star students. It's going to be a fucking disaster. And before (laughs) I... even get through explaining like the concept of what we're starting to do they just start making it happen making it happen I'm like whoa what is going on and I was talking to my co-teacher about that I was like it was the most eye-opening experience I thought this group was going to knock it out of the park and they struggled and she's like it just goes to show you that everybody learns and approaches stuff in different ways and really just highlights what we're doing here and I was like,
1: It's so interesting. It is so interesting the way like different brains work. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot about how my brain works over the last you know, basically since starting to work. Cause you know, it's weird. Like you get out of college. I was thinking about this. This is another thing I had thought about as which, you know, it, it's funny. I gave some thought to this. I was like, what am I going to talk about? Touched on none of it. It's great to like catch up with a good friend. Cause shit just starts going. You That's usually what sure the bingling. first episode of these uh, <laughs> camp counselor
0: ones. It's like, all right, we're, we're just catching up, telling some camp stories, some shenanigans. Some
1: day off shooting, and then. shooting the shit. Exactly. Um, but it, it was funny. I was thinking about this, like, like, how to define success as an adult is a really weird concept. That's something that mm. I've actually struggled with a lot um, because. I was never, I wouldn't say I was ever really like motivated to get like perfect grades. You know, you'll meet people who are like, my whole thing was getting a 4.0 and that's like what I'm focused on. And for me, that was never really where I was at. Um, You know, I liked to like really challenge myself academically and take really, you know, challenging course loads, but I wasn't super concerned about getting perfect grades. And I, and I'm still not like that. I still struggle with like, you know, I, I will be working with people who come at a perspective of like, I need to. Uh, accomplish a task with absolute and complete perfection. And I think my mindset on things has been like, I want to get to a passable level of challenges that are way beyond what I would be expected to accomplish, right? I'm not, I don't approach anything like, I want to perfect this. I come at stuff like, I want to, I want to get to, you know, a level of success on things that are way beyond what I could realistically perfect, but I could get to a level of understanding with it. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting to have, you know, people at different stages across that spectrum all working together on stuff. Um, It's really interesting. And like, Furthermore, right when you're in the professional world, you know there's not as much. You, you don't get a grade. It's, it's not like you get like, oh, you got an A on this assignment, and you got a B. So like inherently, one's better than the other, right? There's no like label of success anymore, which exists starting you know in elementary school all the way through high school and college. You know you're graded. You get like you know a, a report back that is a definitive like you did this well, and you can relate yourself to other people. Um, like, on that definite scale. And that doesn't exist in the real world. And that's something that I struggled with for a long time, like, had really bad imposter syndrome when I first got into the industry. Um, You know, my industry is dominated by, like, people who went to really fancy colleges and are really brilliant. Right. And then I'm there and I think I'm reasonably smart, but like, I don't have any of that kind of pedigree that people have. And I was like, am I good enough to be here? Am I as smart as these people? And like, you have to figure out how to judge yourself internally rather than get your judgment externally to know that you're doing well. And that is something that took like a really long time for me, but it's like been probably probably, as far as like personal development over the last four or five years, like the biggest thing um, for me that I've had to teach myself and grow and develop is like that internal recognition of success, as opposed to like getting, um, you know, getting your gratification or, or, or affirmation externally.
0: Mm. So one of my um, go-tos that I like to listen to in terms of motivational speeches, and I think it's a few of his speeches uh, cut together, but it's Matthew McConaughey and he mm-hmm. talks about the difference between happiness versus joy and bas- basically the way he describes it is happiness comes from like you said you're chasing a pursuit whereas joy comes from we are doing exactly what we are designed to be doing in life this is what i truly want to go after and this is what makes me the happiest and i think one of the things i took away from that speech and afterwards, I'll I'll send it to you so you can listen to it is he talks about how you define joy and success. And he's like, the first thing we have to do is define what success looks like for us. And Mm -hmm. he said, for him, success is a pillar of five things in no particular order. He's like being a good husband and father, you know, um, having a good career. And he talked about one of the issues he was finding was when he was going to work on films in different roles is that he needed this to be box office I needed the respect of my peers and then he's like once I changed it to just showing up to work and doing a great job was what success looked like for me and what made me happiness. not I can't control whether this movie sees has five million views or five views it could be the best acting of my life and a lot of that's out of my control he's like what i can't focus on is just doing the best i can being the best husband and father the best actor the best producer he said that's when it started to turn and change and then he started getting all this recognition and all these roles he had dreamed about but then he was so confident internally that it was nice to have it but and it would be nice to be admired by my peers and stuff like that but It's more impactful when a Peter Schwartz, a Joe Wolf, a Jake Marsh, a Will Messina, a Sam Mitchell, Rachel Larrabee, Chloe Brooks reach out and say, Bobo, I just listened to this and like, you're killing it. I love when admirers from afar do it, but when the people who I'm really connected with start recognizing it and give me feedback, whether it's constructive or positive, that's what I love.
1: Totally, dude. Yeah, it, it, that's such a cool w- way for you to, you know, recognize that. I, th- and exactly right. Like the, P- it, you know, you start to realize like I only need to care about the people that are close to me in my life, and and you know, making sure that I'm showing up as a friend and uh, and you know, a, a valuable relationship to them. And you're totally right. That's exactly right. Um, the other thing that it sort of ties into that I was going to, um, that I was thinking about bringing up that I thought was kind of interesting was like, um, like around and you brought it up early on with fitness but like Mm -hmm. for me like I've always had like I feel like my weight fluctuates pretty significantly relative to like other people I don't know this is like the funniest camp story ever so my first year that I was at camp I was like in pretty good shape and then I came back year two and I you know a little extra padding um (laughs) you know for whatever reason I can't remember why but like
0: it gets cold up in Maine you got to insulate yourself yeah
1: exactly so um you know I came back and I had like a I had one of the one of my uh one of my kids, one of my uh, um, campers, he was like... (laughs) Peter, why don't your, your stomach doesn't look like last year or whatever.
0: And I was like, ooh, <laughs> calling me out. I was like, ouch, we're going to get the right. alarm for five 30 and we're going to get to the gym.
1: I'm like, geez, get me in with uh Aaron. Uh, what, what was his last name? Aaron, um, Marsh. The, the Marsh, the fitness guy. Yeah. I was like, dude, get me in there with him. Jeez Louise. I got called out, but, um, uh, that was something else that like, you know, after college, uh, had to like you know, I, I have to think about it a lot. You know, I, I got a really good buddy of mine down here in San Francisco and he's hilarious, dude. His diet is like, he was my roommate for a little while. Um, he actually, it goes to Stanford now, um, cause he's really smart, but, uh, <laughs> dude, check this out. He's getting his PhD in stem cell immunology. How wild is that anyway? Um, but this dude is like rail thin. He probably weighs like 145 pounds and his diet is like the trader joe's raviolis and like a sleeve of oreos for dinner every night and i'm like you know eating chicken and rice every day like trying not to like put those extra five pounds back on them in the gym every day and i'm like jeez but it's sort of like the same thing where it's like you have to identify like what makes you different and like how you need to approach stuff and for me like you know fitness has become something that's important to me because i'm i feel feel better i feel happier when i'm like in good shape but that also means like i can't have a sleeve of oreos and the, and the ravioli with my buddy you know for dinner every night because that works for him but clearly does not work for me Mm -hmm. um but like you know since like you know moving out on my own like you know i don't go home to my parents every you know summer after school or whatever um it's another thing that's like, you got to develop it for yourself and like figure out what like is important. Um, and like what works for you individually, it kind of goes back to that idea of like defining success for yourself and defining, um, like, you know, how you need to behave, what your lifestyle needs to look like in order to, you know, recognize your defined version of success. Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, like, so for me, right. I have to wake up, go to the gym this morning, you know, come in, do this podcast. Right. Like, you know, I had a freaking whatever these little, uh, dude, have you ever had an RX bar? These things are awesome. Yes. By the way. This yes. is like my, it's a my nice dude.
0: alternative to a protein bar without a lot of the crap in it,
1: dude, I will send you a podcast that you have to listen to. Um, it's about like, basically how foul food is in the united states broadly speaking like the food industry basically has morphed into this thing where foods are designed to make you feel hungrier not more satiated oh, yeah. um, and they're full of this crap that makes you want to eat more of it and um and and like learning about that learning about like eating like whole foods like you know natural foods that are not processed and 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 it's funny cuz like i'm very much someone who's cognizant and thoughtful about all this stuff but then also she was talking about the like meat alternatives that are coming out which i broadly speaking was like very excited about. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like meat alternatives. I don't think I could be a vegetarian, but if I can find a way to not eat actual previously living animals, cause I kind of, I kind of feel bad about it. Right. And still get protein. Like, oh, that's great. I'm super into it. And she was going all these companies, you know, in theory, it's a decent idea, but they're full of this crap still. Like there's nobody really who's doing it. Right. I would avoid it at all costs. And I'm just thinking like, how am I supposed to know about any of this um, uh, mm-hmm. it's really, really interesting. Um, it's a Barry Weiss podcast. Um,
0: oh, awesome. I love she, her. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. It was on eyes.
1: honestly. Yeah. It was on honestly. Um, Is that and on I think, her sub-stack? Uh, No, So it's a podcast. You can just go on, um, you can just go on like Apple Podcasts or whatever. It's honestly, and I think the episode's called Eating Ourselves to Death. And it's like a Stanford MD candidate who was like about to become a doctor from Stanford. And she was like, This industry is so fucked up. We don't actually address problems. We just like, Uh, Prescribe stuff to like mask symptoms, but like won't actually address root causes. And a lot of these root causes have to do with like a bad food supply in the country. She had some stat that like 90% of Americans, even people who like are fit and are in decent shape are still actually metabolically uh, challenge just because their food intake is such low quality that you still aren't actually gaining the kind of like nutrients that you need to like truly be healthy. It's pretty wild, dude. It's it, that was one of the more interesting podcasts I've listened to recently. And I'm a huge podcast guy. I listen to a bunch. That yeah. one specifically was
0: wild, dude. Well, I'm not on it right now, but when I am dialed into my diet and I, I'm not at the point right now to where I can afford all that, like bougie farm to table, organic, local and stuff like that. But I'm also, when I am on my diet, I'm also not just eating a bunch of junk food. It's like, okay, I'm not able to afford like the grass-fed ground beef uh, cut from the cow that's literally in the field right behind. All right, well, then I'll just get regular ground beef, you know, and not add a bunch of stuff like that, okay?
1: Totally. And it's way less about like, can you afford the expensive beef or the expensive eggs or the expensive, whatever it's about cutting stuff out more so. Right. So it's less, you know, if you're, you know, you can go get like the, you know, hormone fed chicken or whatever, it's way cheaper. And like, is it ideal? No, but if you're cooking yourself, right. Chicken, you had some broccoli, you had some rice, whatever for dinner, that is like orders of magnitude better then, if you spent the same amount of money on, you know, some kind of like pre-packaged frozen deal from Trader Joe's, which I like s- subsided on for the first year of my life after graduating college, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. This is easy. I'll do that. And like the difference, even just there, just cooking it yourself from like the raw ingredients, even if they are like a little bit processed, it's still mm-hmm. way better. And then cutting it, cutting out the other stuff. Like, you know, I was talking about the RX bars that I like, that's pretty good. They kind of look like motion, you know, they could probably taste like, a little bit better but you see some of the other like protein to market is like protein bars they got like 40 grams of sugar it's a candy oh bar my gosh, it's yeah. crazy yeah
0: yeah and i was talking to people about that when they were looking for help getting into diets and stuff like that when i was really doing well with my gym routine i was like just be wary of marketing and stuff because marketing can make a what i would consider not the healthiest um option they can market it to make you think, wow, I am basically drinking eternal water that is going to cure everything. <laughs> and then you look at it and it's like, oh, 75 um, grams of sugar, 42 of them are added. You know, oh, it's yeah. got this much carbohydrates, this types of uh, saturated fats, non-saturated, you know, stuff like that. And you start looking into it. It's like, wait, but it says, the item is called nothing but health. Well, <laughs> there's, really, there's really no... Health is a wide ranging <laughs> topic. And um bad health is technically health still, you know?
1: People get creative with the uh, definitions, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. And that was um that was one of the things I had Smitch on to talk about was his alternative coffee product, Rubru. And
1: I know. I, I did i I ordered some it didn't get here in time. I was hoping to have a little Ruuw sitting next to me for the pod. Uh, oh that would have unfortunately been it's not here in time yeah I, and it's funny. I'm a huge coffee guy and you know for what it's worth, that's probably like you know there's some level of deleterious effect i I handle it pretty well, but it's probably just because I'm really used to it. but I am very curious to try out the Ru I'm excited for it.
0: people thought I was crazy when my second year at camp, I made the switch to every day, but Saturday I was doing decaf, decaf coffee and people are like, you're you're nuts. Why are you doing that? <laughs> and you see how many cups of coffee camp counselors at our camp would go through a day. And I was oh, like, yeah. look, I found out after my first year there that when you're doing four or five cups of coffee a day, how much impact do you think that caffeine is having on you? It so just like, keeps you long.
1: baseline. Yeah. I quit. I quit caffeine as like a little challenge with my boss one time because, you know, working in finance, pretty notorious industry for drinking a lot of coffee. Also, I quit for a month and the first two weeks I had like my daily headache and then like my daily nausea and then I would start to feel normal, like, you know. 10 10 a.m we start early out here on the west coast we start at like 6 a.m because uh you know new york's going at 9 yeah. a.m out of east so we're up early we're done early which is nice i actually love the the west coast schedule it's great like you know i'll be done on like a pretty long day at like 5 p.m would be like yeah it's like a pretty solid this 11 hours in the office mm-hmm. um but it's great you're done at five you go to the gym it's pretty mellow but um yeah man it, it coffee definitely it, my dad always jokes about this my dad's in healthcare, and he's always like you know if they discovered coffee today that shit would be illegal for sure it is like a you know a stimulant it's a it's a vasodilist basically you know uh i don't know if we're allowed to talk about inappropriate stuff but it's basically okay. like a drug that's pretty notorious for coming from uh central america like basically does the same shit it's just we're allowed to drink it in a beverage
0: <laughs> yeah it, it it's weird you know and um it's funny what we um will outlaw and won't outlaw so yeah it's, seriously it's, it's fun but yeah i'm uh, i'm excited to dive into that um Barry Weiss wise podcast and i yeah i just encourage people i think you brought up a good point of finding out what works for you and i made a note of one thing that got me in trouble when i was looking for workout routines and schedules and stuff like that is i was wrongly so comparing my life to other people's lives. And I was um, on that, uh, for a while, I was on that Jocko Willink uh, schedule <laughs> just waking up every day at 4.30 and I was feeling great for it. And then around week three or week four, I was just getting burnt out and crashed. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is some type of superhuman. I'm not sure how he's doing what he's doing. And then yeah. I read David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, which can't recommend that enough. That's and- a fantastic book. And he talked about how he's still grinding out there like Jocko, but then I got to this part where he said on Sunday, it's his Sabbath day. He's not doing any, n- no electronics and stuff like that. He'll wake up naturally. There's no alarm for him. It's still probably early as fuck, but the whole point <laughs> is for, for him, there, the point is there's no alarm getting him up. Yeah. And then he talks about, then I'm just doing some active recovery. I'm just doing stretching. I might get a light run in. And he talked mm-hmm. about this, like, that's what works for me he's like I found out when I started going into all these um, Jocko routines and stuff like that he's like whoa whoa you're not Jocko Willink you're you're David Goggins you've got yeah. to. yeah and also like if we were nurses and working the night shift it wouldn't make much sense for us to wake up at morning. it's like that's when we need to start getting some z's or something like that or we're in work you know you, dude, you're exactly right.
1: That's the best. and like honestly, it's funny. Like, this is now like three different topics. It all comes back to this. It's like defining your own success, recognizing like how you work is. So, I think that's the most important that thing that anybody ever does in their life. Right, is like figure out like realistically who you are, how your life works, how your mind works, how your body works, figuring out the best way to approach this thing called life and doing, you know, whatever is able to give you the most success as you define it. And it's like, you know, you can look at guys like Jocko um, or David Goggins, who are obviously aspirational for a billion different reasons and say, okay, that's great. They all did a really good job of defining their own success, defining how their bodies and minds work and like figuring out how to use one to reach the other. And, you know, you don't necessarily idolize, you know, the the two inputs, right? Idolize the output of of figuring out how to utilize what you have to get mm-hmm. to a level of success that you define. That's what they've done so well. And and I think people get caught up and like myself too, right? I've been guilty of this. I did the Jocko thing for a while. I was like, this dude's a savage. I'm gonna wake up at 4 30, whatever. Yeah, and well, um, for the
0: next life as you said. Like
1: it dude, it, it exactly it's so sick. But like I was I was waking up at 4 a.m. And I was waking up at 4 a.m. my my whole first year roughly of work. And that was relatively normal like to get into the office at like five when you're sort of lower on the totem pole you're working really long hours so you're getting in super early but i was getting in like five five fifteen i was trying to get to the gym at like you know four four thirty whatever so that i could work out before work because you know i was hearing that that was when testosterone was highest like that's when you need to be working out was like right early in the morning And I was trying to do it, and I was like falling asleep at the desk. I was like, "Look, this is not working," and it's because like where my life was and what I was doing was not compatible with this like this routine or schedule that was working for somebody else. And that was sort of like when I think the whole process started of trying to figure out like, okay, let's 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 back up, let's redefine what I can do, what works well for me based on my environment, my personality type, and physiology, and everything else, right? And I would say I'm like much healthier, much more happy. but, yeah, it's, it's all about it's all about you got to do some thinking before you can, like, you know, figure mm-hmm. all this out. You can't just watch a YouTube video it's as cool as those YouTube videos are. Of
0: yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you need to not compare yourself to, oh, man, Peter Schwartz is working out every day. He's doing it this. Well, I've got this wife and kids, family. I've got two different jobs. So, you know, for me, success is. I may not be able to crank out a 45-minute workout or hour, two-hour long workout like Peter is doing every day, but he inspires me to get a little bit better. You know what I can do in my spare time? I can nail some jumping jacks. I can do some push-ups. I can go on a, a walk. I can do some breathing exercises. And that's another thing is when we look at someone like a Jocko or a Goggins, I don't think we respect the process and the work. We see the end result and we think that jack is going to come around the corner with this magic beans and then boom we've got a beanstalk where it's like if you're doing some actual farming and some actual work it is a fucking grind and what you're looking at with goggins and jocko and any aspirational inspirational figure is it's not only years but it's probably decades of of a routine of just getting after it and doing the work and, and we see the end result
1: yeah dude you know another thing that's like it's funny you mentioned like I don't have time to get a full workout in every day and like one piece of that is prioritization like cut stuff out of your life like it's funny I haven't watched I'm so bad about like tv shows because that was for me something I cut out I haven't started and finished a tv show since high school people will be like dude have you seen industry have you seen succession like these business shows I'm like dude I watched one episode and I like couldn't keep on it which this is not meant to like that sounds really like obnoxious and like braggy or whatever but I'm just like I can't I'm really into movies if I have I I always say this if I have 45 minutes to watch TV, like I probably have a couple hours to watch a full movie and I just much prefer to do that. So I've gotten really into movies Um, but one thing you can do that's like, not necessarily like a a totally intense, um, you know, workout routine, you know, it's hard to find time in the day. I totally get that. What I've started doing is, uh, like I try to take Uber and Lyft as infrequently as possible. I try to walk places. I'll give myself the extra 30 minutes or 45 minutes to get somewhere and I'll just walk. And granted, like I'm in a walkable city like San Francisco. So, you know, for me, this is something that works. Right. But like, I realized I was spending so much money on Uber every, you know, every month, and I was like, I could have just walked. I could have just planned for the extra thirty minutes and walked. And like walking around is something that we do so little of because our, you know, society is so advanced. We have, you know, taxis at the tap of a button. Um, but dude, I can't recommend like how nice it is to just walk places. And like the other thing I try to do when I'm walking places is not have my face in my phone the whole time, like actually look around at stuff around me. Dude, it's I feel like that is massively helpful for just like being happy. People don't do it enough.
0: That's something Smitch and I touched on a lot is it ended up being such a blessing that camp wouldn't allow us to have cell phones on. And I remember even times when we're on pre-camp or days off, my fondest memories are just driving from me, you and Mac were such a tight knit group and just so close together. And even on times when we're on day off and we're just driving from place to place. And a lot of times it's an hour, two hour drives to get from our yeah. site um, where we could keep 75 degenerates and yeah. uh, going to the next location to enjoy your day. <laughs> You've got an hour, two hour drive. And that's oftentimes where you can get into your cell phone and stuff. And I remember almost every time we would get in the car you me mac would drive we're putting on either the florida georgia line cd or the taylor swift cd and there's or a- uh
1: or or it was uh eric church also yeah, picked yeah. Up eric church
0: yeah there's a point where almost one of us just apologizes and we're like hey i'm so sorry that we're i'm not saying anything back here but i am so fucking blown away by all the um the unlimited sites <laughs> and how beautiful it is and we're just like know what mac and i were just up here sitting not saying a thing to each other just taking in the nature and just enjoying the moment the present conversation with two of your best friends
1: yeah it's funny i saw i was walking somewhere yesterday and i um was walking so i live in a part of san francisco called russian hill um and it's this cool area where you have like down one side of the hill is north beach which is like little italy and then down the other side is uh polk street which is like a big like bar restaurant area um so I'll be walking around one or the other pretty frequently. And I was walking along the street and I walked by this Italian restaurant in North beach. I looked in the window. It was a family of four at this cute little restaurant called Piccolo Forno. And they're sitting there at dinner. And I don't know if it was like before the food got there, or after the food got there, whatever, it was a family of four, probably from out of town. Cause it's like a big touristy part of the city and they're all sitting there like this on their phones. And I'm like, man, that's fucking depressing. I wish I could go in there and just slap the phone out of their hand and be like, look, like I know I get in my phone too. I am. I am actually pretty bad about it. Like I am pretty bad about like being on my phone and being lame in social settings. I try to be better about it. I try to be cognizant of it. Like I get it, but also fuck off. Like you're at dinner with your family. You're in San Francisco. It's so nice out. Like just, just, It it's it's too bad. Like we have the combination of infinite knowledge at our fingertips, which I love. Like I love learning stuff. And I think generally speaking, when I'm on my phone, it's not like social media. I've taken a huge step back away from social media the last couple of years, but I'll be like on like Wikipedia or Reddit or something, like learning something that's actually really interesting. But at the same time, it's like not the place, dude. Like get off your phone, like talk to people, be social it's a challenge. And I think, I think people need to be cognizant of it. I, you know, I, I try and fail every day to be yeah. better about that. Um, but I think just trying is like a big, you know, big thing you can do.
0: Yeah, that, that that's absolutely the key to it is trying being aware of it and putting in place corrective measures and actions. I'm, I'm bad about it too, but I feel I've gotten a lot better. And one thing I'm getting better about is if I'm face to face with someone, I try and put down the phone and just make Probably sometimes intensely uncomfortable fucking eye contact to let yes. you know. In case you were wondering, you had my undivided attention and we were locked. Correct. In. One of the things you would, again, when we're going on camping trips and stuff in Maine, there is no shortage of beautiful sights that you can see. I love it so much. Yeah. And when we're getting ready to go to Acadia and we're driving through the mountains and everything, seeing this beautiful scenery, you would always hear one of the campers go, Oh man, I wish I had my phone for Instagram. And without missing a beat, I would go, "Hey, guess what?" They're like, "What?" I was like, "You got real life Instagram going on right between your ears. You know those yeah. uh, those two things called eyes and stuff like that. You know, you, you use them. Use them. They're there for a reason."
1: Hundred percent, dude. Speaking of camp in San Francisco, actually, you know who else is out here is Demos. Is in San Francisco. I've been trying my to fault. link up with them. No. It's dude. I gotta I gotta text him after this. I haven't caught up with them yet in
0: the city, but I've been meaning to. So it ended up being a blessing, but I think your first um, year, because that was, your first year was my second year, and that was my favorite year at camp, and I love the day off staff and stuff. Yeah. Demos and I had requested each other to be, I think, our number one, like, you know how you get to put your five counselors? We both put each other for number one, and then we didn't get it, and a lot of it is based off, it simply comes down to, like, it's a numbers game, and we can't put all of the counselors with cars on one day off staff. And then completely fucked it yeah. But we were joking around. We're like, we made each other our number one traffic and they took it away from us like we were the goddamn Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> they took our traffic away from us like we were the Patriots. We did nothing Fucking wrong.
1: Brutal, dude. Oh, I, it's oh, so funny. The, the, the day off politics,
0: hilarious. Yeah, and you'll love this because um, you're, you're a little bit of a fisherman, but we were at pre-camp and that's nice because you get off work at a normal time. It's like four, 4.30. And we go um, on a boat and we just fish in the trout pond and his first two casts and my first cast, we each caught something. It was, uh, and we always joke about that was the most prolific cast to catch day that Laurel, that (laughs) Losa had ever seen, man. It was (laughs) unreal. We we, we, we were just cranking. We were just, we're throwing them in. Reeling
1: (laughs) them in, baby. That's hilarious. Hey, when are you getting out here to San Francisco though? Uh,
0: Dude, I've got, I don't know how to quantify it exactly, but I, the number I've come up with is a fuck ton of flight credit. That's basically when I've crunched numbers and run run it through the algorithms, um, Excel uh, pops out there like, yeah, you've actually got a fuck ton of flight credit. Um, um, There's a so,
1: metric fuck ton of flight credit.
0: Yeah. What, obviously, it seems pretty beautiful all times a year and stuff like that. When, when should I start booking a trip to, in terms of your work schedule and stuff, are there times of the year where it's a little lighter and you're able to accommodate guests a little bit more?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean it really depends. Uh, Dude you could, you could uh, come visit anytime you want I'll put you up no problem. Uh, I'll make it work. Uh, It doesn't it varies I, I would say like right now is actually sort of crunch time like net like September. October, November, get really busy because like, it's Fun. funny, you know, in, fi- in finance, yeah, it's all about like, you know, making money, but at the same time, it's uh like, you know, there are sales teams involved with finance. And so they're all trying to hit their numbers before year end. So they get like really ramped up. Um, they start pushing hard. Um, and then, you know, in the beginning of the year too. So I would say like, actually kind of nice, like the summer is actually usually the best time to do it. Now that creates a weird thing with San Francisco where, San Francisco's summers are notoriously sort of iffy weather-wise. It's this weird dynamic where California gets really hot in the summer. Inland California gets really hot in the summer. And San Francisco's on the tip of a peninsula. So what happens is you get inland California gets really hot. All the hot air rises and creates a vacuum underneath. And it sucks like cold ocean air across the peninsula of San Francisco. So you get like these cold ocean breezes in the middle of the summer. And the nicest time of year to visit really is like... August, August, September, October is when it gets really, really nice. So that I would say like a year out from now would be, would be ideal. Maybe a little earlier in the year.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to look into that then. And this is going to sound super snobby and privileged, but I just um, hit my two years at my company and they've got a stupid amount of PTO that they give us to the fact where I've tried, I, I can't use all of it. And some of it keeps rolling over and they added a week of pto
1: to so again you gotta love that
0: super snobby that i'm complaining about like oh i just got added a week of pto and i'm figuring out how to use it you know like oh poor me what am i gonna do with all this time? hey dude we're dude
1: i you and you and uh and smith were talking about this man the u.s work culture they deserve giving us a little bit more uh pto i'll be honest man so don't don't complain or act like that's snobby oh, all. That's awesome. You got to take advantage. That's one thing. Like, I think when I first got into the professional world, I was like, all right, I got to like work really hard and like find all the success and whatever else. And then like, you know, a few years in it's like, you got to show up to work. You got to show up and like, give it, you know, good, hard effort every single day. Like, you know, be, you know, you'll find more value out of the work that you're doing if you are honest to God, trying hard. Um, but then also like, dude, you only get one chance at this thing. And I, I definitely have a travel bug. I always have. And like the last two years, I have made a huge focus to like work hard when I'm in and then take my time off, not feel bad about it, go somewhere cool. Um, you know, I've, I've stopped buying stuff to try to start buying plane tickets. Like I think I think literally like my biggest line item expenditure last year after rent was plane tickets. And I'm just like shoestringing it to cool places I've never been. Like I was in the UK. I saw, um, I saw uh, Matt Cox over in the UK, um, which was awesome. What a lad.
0: What a What a
1: absolute legend. Exactly. Um, No, so I was over in the UK. Um, uh, I'm lucky enough. I was able to be in New York for work um, earlier this month, but I like middle of COVID, shit was was really weird you know everybody's working hard we're all from home and i was like hey boss man can i go to hawaii for two weeks and like i'll still work but i've been like locked in my apartment for a really long time and they're like sure so i just went to hawaii um and was working a little bit and like figured out the cheapest way i could possibly make it happen um and it was awesome like it wasn't like this lugs like lux resort situation that i was working with but you know finding a way to get out and see a new place i you know did the same thing um in mexico i found like a really cheap place on the uh, west coast of mexico uh you know to go spend a week and that was awesome um yeah, i'm trying to think where else have i been recently
0: um i was able I- to convince camp that instead of like putting us up in inglewood for the travel and stuff to put yeah. us up in Santa Monica and, oh, yeah. and it was a nice little chess move I had is I knew they were going to come with, well, how expensive it was it? And I found out the hotel we were staying at and looked up the prices of so like, well, how expensive is it going to be? I was like, I'm glad you asked. I found a comparable hotel for just 10 bucks more a day. And then they were like, Yeah, but it has like just kind of a communal restroom, and uh, you don't have like your own showers and stuff like that. Is that who cares? You're talking to four camp counselors who are already going through that day in day out. (laughs) Let's just—we just need three hots and a cot. Santa Monica, we'll figure out the rest.
1: Dude, my thing is, it's like I don't want to spend time in the place that I'm staying. I don't want to be in the hotel ever. Like, I want to be out and about doing shit all day. I just want to literally, like, get back there late night, pass out, wake up, get the hell out of there again, and, like, go experience the place that I'm visiting.
0: So, me and my group of friends, we're looking into a Vegas trip around July. And that's what we're talking about is we don't want it to be some rundown motel where we feel like we're going to get murdered. But it doesn't have to be the suites and stuff from all these Vegas movies you see. And it's, like, I'd like a nice area with... Maybe just a slight little kitchen setup or something, but I am going to be out exploring. I am not trying to enjoy. I'm not going to Vegas to see how nice a hotel room is.
1: Have you have you been to Vegas before?
0: I have literally been because I flew into the Vegas airport to go visit a buddy out in Arizona, and that was actually closer to him than the Arizona airports were. So I flew into Vegas to pick up a rental car and leave.
1: Oh, I didn't get Vegas the hell out of minutes. there. 30 minutes so i'll tell i'll tell you this about vegas and vegas is fun like definitely do it vegas is actually one of the places where and you can still do it cheap but the the resort you're in does kind of matter for two reasons one the only thing there is to do in vegas is on the strip just frankly mm-hmm. um so you want to stay on the strip yep. and um vegas is pretty dangerous when you get very far away from the strip. Yep. It, it's not a nice place. Um what the best way to shoestring Vegas is if you got a bunch of guys going, yeah, just share a room. Like like pile in like sardines, but stay at a nice resort because here's the thing like what you do is you cruise the resorts. Like you're cruising up and down the strip, but you're in these resorts and they all kind of connect to one another and all the different casinos are there. But then like the pools, you're obviously going to want to be doing a pool party. Make sure the resort you stay at has a nice pool because you'll get deals on getting into the pool parties, which is really all you're going to want to do in July in Vegas can be a bazillion degrees. So like, if I were you, find the right hotel on the strip with the pool you want to be at get the cheapest room and pile dudes into it but like to your point you're not going to be in your room you're going to be at the resorts but um yeah the airbnb thing I, I some people do it i've never personally done it i've only been to vegas a couple i'm times. not i'm not
0: going to do it in vegas you know other places and stuff like that i will but again yeah. i think like you said it's most people know and understand that the action is on the strip and that's for the most part about all they have and really why you're going out there and we're going to look at one of the nicer hotels like the Bellagio MGM and Caesars and just be like what's your cheapest room yeah and they have shit like that
1: because they yeah, know that not everyone going animal. there is
0: a high roller yeah,
1: yeah. not everyone who's going to high roll i'm sure it's not a high roller right but yeah you get the cheap room with a you know a couple of beds you bunk up and then you just like you know spend all your money on like going to friggin nobu or whatever and gambling and going to the sports book like yeah,
0: yeah. i imagine i imagine i'm gonna be waking up on the bathroom floor most most of the time anyways because something tends to happen that cold tile just it just keeps the demons at bay. The,
1: the cold tile is great for a hangover. You know what? You, you know, you're really, sweating. Yeah, it
0: <laughs> really is. And it's so funny when you're in those states, you're like, I have had the pleasure of sleeping in some really comfy, some of the nicest uh, beds and materials. But when you're in those states and the demons are trying to come out, you're like, the cold tile feels like I am in the nicest suite at the Bellagio or the MGM. I feel like a king right now.
1: That is exactly correct. That is That is a perfect read on the situation. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, man, dude, it's been so good catching up with you and having a conversation. We just knocked, again, my goal is to do an hour and we're banging out an hour 40 right now.
1: I was about to say, yeah, I don't know if you have a hard stop. I am, I am good to go, but yeah, I also want to be cognizant of your time, dude. It's been so much fun. I feel like we're going to have to do a
0: part two. Oh, absolutely. We will. And I'm just going to, I'll stop the recording in a second, but we can stay on the Zoom call and stuff afterwards, you know. Money. We're not going to let the people see how the sausage is made. If you, <laughs> You're, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay if you want to come to this butcher's block. <laughs> um, in my email, I sent you over. I told you I pretty much just have a conversation. Just catch up, shoot the breeze. If there's any topics you want to talk about, we'll discuss them. But the only segment I have I was telling you about was I just try and end the Jep episode with a quote. Did you happen to have one? Because if not, I've got one ready to go
1: you know i actually i did see that and i was trying to put together a quote i didn't pull something together that i thought was uh, worthy of sharing um so i want to hear what you have but then on part two i promise to come better prepared and uh, have something ready to rock
0: sounds good and some people just aren't comfortable with it they may they've got life going on so you know it's not like you're just going to stop and do everything to come on this podcast with old goofy <laughs> crusty but um i think this is very apropos um and it's a shame I can't figure out who to attribute it to. That's the biggest thing is I hate not being able to like find somebody to source and credit it to. So mm-hmm. APA and everything, just uh, bear with me. Sorry for no worries. That. No worries. Happiness is smiling when the sun's out. Joy is dancing in the downpour.
1: Love that. God damn. If that's not a quote about a day off.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. So we'll, uh, We'll sign off here shortly and then you and I will talk. But Peter, dude, from the bottom of my heart, it's been so good catching up with you. And thank you for being a a guest on The Preston Guest.
1: Dude, what a blast it's been. Uh, I I was thrilled when you shot me the text. So happy to be here. Uh, Happy to be here any other time you'll uh, permit me into the Zoom conference. How about that?
0: Absolutely, man. Looking forward to getting our next one on the books, okay? Cheers, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.